Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to everybody who's been sharing the podcast on their social media. You know, the kingdom of God is opposite of the kingdom of the world. There's an economy of God, and it's opposite. Um, the wisdom of God is opposite the wisdom of the world. The, the wisdom of the world says save to have. The kingdom of God says give to have. If you give, you not only are promised to return here on the earth, but you're actually promised a, uh, a treasure in heaven. And so it's like a two-for-one deal. <laughs> you're, 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 it's being matched. Your, for, your heavenly 401k, right? Your retirement's being matched in heaven. And so that, that, that's not the wisdom of man. The man, man won't tell you, give 10% of your income. Man will tell you, save it, invest it. That's how you get a good return. So we come into the, the kingdom of God knowing that the advice given to us and what we hear is often going to be opposite, most times going to be opposite the, the advice the world will give. So I want to read you a scripture that's usually quoted, but usually incompletely quoted out of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. And I'm going to read verse 10 and 11. And it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Remember, the devil is in a, the accuser of the brethren. It's, what, it's part of what he does. When, when the devil will try to accuse you night and day. So you think about that. If any, any thought that opposes the word of God about who you are in Christ is an accusation from the devil. You know, sickness is an accusation against your true nature. You know, living in sin is an accusation against your true nature is righteous. So the, that's what Satan does. He tries to accuse you. Oh, you're good for nothing. Oh, look, you're, you're, you're just addicted. You know, you're always going to be stuck in this sin. He tries to accuse you. The Bible says sin will no longer have dominion over you. So he opposes the word of God and accuses you. But it says here next, verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You know, that verse is usually quoted. How many of you know we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? And that's true, but there's actually three ingredients, not two. It's the blood, it's the word, and it's loving not your life unto death. And, and all three of them are just as important. If I'm going to go bake a loaf of bread... You know, and it's got basically four ingredients. You've got flour, you've got salt, you've got yeast, and you've got water in most most loaves that'll do. But if you take out any one of those, you're going to have an issue. I've baked a loaf of bread and I was following a recipe and I got down to the end and I ate this and it was like a rosemary loaf. And I spent hours making this loaf of bread from scratch. I don't use a bread machine. Making this loaf of bread... And I didn't really pay attention when I was reading the recipe, but the recipe didn't have salt in it. And I get to the end and I go to eat this loaf of bread and it was tasteless. I mean, I was like sitting with salt. And at that point it was too late, try, too late trying to put salt on, on top of my bread to give it some flavor. Salt brings flavor out. And so you, you can make a loaf of bread and if you leave salt out, it's, it's not going to taste good. If you leave, obviously if you leave flour out, you don't have anything. If you leave if you leave the yeast out, it's not going to rise. It's going to be a brick and it's not going to taste good. And it's the same thing. This is talking about overcoming and it gives three ingredients. For those who overcome, it's by the blood of the lamb. Number one, you have to have confidence in the blood. Number one, that the blood protects you from the, from the devil's attacks. People live defeated. You know, the devil keeps hindering me. If you're covered in the blood of Jesus, 
You, you can't be hindered by the devil unless it's wrong thinking. So change your thinking. Jesus made a show of the devil openly. He de- the Bible says it destroyed him who had power of death. That is the devil. The devil is destroyed. He can't hinder you unless you let him. So, so number one is the blood. You're confident in the blood that God protects you, that the blood, wa- the blood, uh, the number, the next thing is confident in the blood that there's the shame is washed away. That yes, you know, maybe you did things in the past, but that was the old man and that man's dead. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. But then it's the number two after the blood is the word of our testimony. Another translation says the word that we testify to. It is what we, what God has done for us, but it's not just what God has done for us. It's the word that you choose to testify to. I testify to the fact that I'm the healed of the Lord, that I'll never bear sickness and disease in my body because Jesus already bore it for me. I have a supernatural protection over all my organs, over my immune system. Why is that? This is the word that I'm testifying to. The word you testify to is what you'll experience in your life. If you hope and pray, Lord, I hope, you know, I hope I don't get sick. Hope's not faith. Hope, uh, you can be in hope and not have any faith mixed in. So the word that you testify to. So yes, it is about what God has done in telling your testimony. But what word in the Bible are you testifying to? I'm testifying this week to, to Psalm 512 that the Lord blesses the righteous and he encompasses us, surrounds us with favor like a shield. Hallelujah. I'm testifying to that. But then the last one is what I want to talk about today. And the third ingredient, and it's to love not your life unto death. You know, this is really what the gospel is. People think, people many times come into it thinking, all right, I just want to go to heaven. It's like you play Monopoly and you get your get out of jail free card. I want my one-way ticket to heaven to know that when I die, I don't have to worry about hell. And, and for me, that's the greatest benefit of salvation. You know, if there was no promise of prosperity on the earth, if there was no promise of uh, health on the earth, if there was no peace of mind on the earth, I'd rather have a peace for eternity and, and temporarily live in despair, right? It, it far outweighs. But um, when you get born again, you actually give your life to God. The Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So your body doesn't belong to you. Look at your hands right now. Those hands aren't yours. Those are the Holy Ghost's hands. Look at your arms. Those arms aren't yours. Those those are the Holy Ghost's arms. Look at your legs. Those legs aren't yours. Those belong to the Holy Ghost. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That mind, those eyes, you know, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I won't look on a maiden with lust. Those eyes aren't yours. Those are the Holy Ghost's eyes. So you gave your life. You said, Lord, be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. All of you belongs to him. And so there's a part of life for us Christians that, that's dictated by the, the call of God and that when we gave our life to him, we gave our whole life to him. The Bible even says to, to not love your life unto death. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16. And it says here, uh, Peter, it says from that verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. And he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You know, there was a common uh, idea that when the Messiah would come, 
while he was on the earth, he would set up his kingdom. That was like the picture of, of he will reign in righteousness. If you look at Isaiah, there's like the scripture that Jesus that Jesus stood up from Isaiah 61 and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Luke 4, 18, he stood up and read the scroll, right? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he ends. But if you read, he actually, in Isaiah, that's not the finishing line. The, the, the next line is the day of vengeance of our God. What, what the Old Testament prophets and what people didn't understand is that wasn't all one time. There was the day the free favors of God do profusely abound, and then there will be the, the, the day of vengeance of our God. But there is a, a gap of thousands of years in between them. So Jesus stopped to say, hey, I'm here for this now but later I'll come back for the day of vengeance of our God. And so there was this idea that this king was going to come, take them out from Roman rule. You know, Israelites had been oppressed all throughout their history at times and 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 that he was going to set up. So when, when he was saying, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to suffer and be killed, Peter was thinking, what do you mean? You're supposed to set up your earthly throne, right? And so he begins to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're an offense to me. That word offense is a stumbling block. You're, you're causing me to stumble. It's actually, that word offense is actually, um, it's the part of the trap where you attach the bait. So if you think of like a bear trap or, a, or any sort of trap, you attach the bait, it's something that would cause you to be snared or stuck. There's, even though Peter, you know, went on to do mighty things, the Lord had to call him Satan because here, here Jesus has one of his closest friends and one of his closest friends is trying to rebuke him for saying, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to suffer. Not that it's, you know, it's not easy anyway, but here are your closest friends. No, you're not going to do that. You know, no, get behind me. You've become a stumbling block for me. Get behind me, Satan. And then Jesus goes on to say in the same passage, he says, then Jesus turned to his disciples and, if, and says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall, fi- shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This is, this is the question that, we, that we're faced with today. Have we really given God all of our lives? Have we lost our life for his sake? Because you're not living the gospel until you've lost your life for his sake. So many people, you know, and I preach this way because I want to see you succeed. So many young people, you know, even getting offended means you haven't lost your life. If you can get offended at somebody in the church, at a preacher, at at somebody, there's people that I see, you know, my wife and I see people, she went to Bible school with people that she's known that are off just doing their own thing, living in the world. And usually the cause of that is offense. It's, It's that they've you know, maybe they, they got into a relationship and the people in the, there was backlash from people from the church because people could see this is not the right relationship. And then people, oh, you know, you say you care about me, but the truth comes out. You don't care. And it's because people care, that, but people get offended. Maybe someone's just an idiot and they offend you. If you're offended, you've, you've proven you, 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 uh, you haven't lost your life. I'm not allowed to get offended. The Bible says to guard my heart with all diligence. It's not even my heart. I, I gave it to the Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. I'm not allowed to stay offended. It goes against the Bible. If I can't forgive somebody, God can't forgive me. So these things that people hold on to, and they show. You know, when people, I talk to people, how long has it been since you last read your Bible? Two weeks. Yeah, you, you haven't given up your life. You haven't lost your life. Well, I don't know. You know, people that I, I didn't grow up in a church that talked about this. Well, that's, that's fine. But the, the Bible's a standard. 
The Bible says if you want to have success, it's mentioned once in the Bible, success. In Joshua chapter 1, it says meditate in the Word day and night. So if you're not reading the Word and meditating in the Word at least twice a day, you're, you're not going to be successful. You can't expect to be because you're not doing the one thing it tells you to do to, to, to be successful. You, you lose your life. There's ways that I, that I act. There's the, ways, the way I organize my life. There's morning time prayer with the Lord. There's things that I do. Time I spend in the Word. Yeah, I mean, I could be playing video games. I don't, you know, I like video games, but I don't have a video game system and I don't play video games. And it's something that I've given up on this earth as a part of losing my life because it was such a distraction. It steals hours, hours. And I need those hours. I got too many. I've got three books sitting behind me right now that I've had for months that I haven't had a chance to read that I've determined in the next two weeks. I'm going to figure out time to read. My life is not my own. Love not your life unto death. Lord, I've given you my life. Lord, the only thing I savor is obeying you. Lord, let, use my life for your glory. You know, people look and try to protect their life here on the earth so badly. But when you see things in the right light, death, death is, first of all, necessary. Death is actually just a transition to, to, to really a, our true life. Life on the earth is temporary. We see through a glass darkly. On the other side, it's real life. If you're a Christian, death is a one-way door that leads you to glory. So yes, people get nervous about death because they think of, you know, I don't want to die in a weird way. I don't want it to be painful. You know, they like their routine. They like their morning coffee. But we're going to, they, they, you know, love their, hopefully you love your loved ones more than your morning coffee. You, the, but there's this transition that's coming. Death's just a transition. For the child of God, death is glorious. That's why Paul said, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'd rather go and be with the Lord. Sure, I have to walk through a door that has maybe a question mark of how and when and, and what will it be like. But death, death is actually the entryway to our real life. And I'm not here to like inspire you to get excited about dying. You know, I just wish I was dead. No, I'm, you know, we've got a job to do on this earth, but this life is not my own. Only what's done for Christ will matter. And so what is it today? Let the Lord speak to you today. What is it where you, where you show by your actions that you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord? How you use your time, how you treat other people, the words of your mouth, what you say, the, the, the fact that you hold on to, to, to um, offenses. Love keeps no record of wrong. And we're all growing in this, but make a decision today. The Holy Ghost wants to work on you, wants to correct you. Do you love your life? Will you willingly lay it down for the Lord? Lord, I don't love my life. I love your kingdom, and I'm here for that. You know, I, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that, that dying, the best way to die would be to be martyred for the Lord. Not that I'm out there trying to put myself into situations, <laughs> but that's the best way. The worst thing possible, the worst accomplishment of my life, besides just outright, um, uh, you know, turning my back on the Lord, would be in a situation where my life is threatened to deny the Lord. Because death comes. Would I rather die 20 years later, you know, of old age, having denied the Lord and having that over my, my, my life? I, uh-uh. I'd rather die saying, yes, if I do anything, let me be known that I stand up for Jesus Christ. That's the stuff books are written about. Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can end my life today. I don't love my life unto death. I love the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you plant eternity into the hearts of your people listening today. 
Lord, protect them, be about them as a wall of fire. But Father, plan eternity. Let people, let us not love our lives. Lord, let us love your kingdom. Let us love you. Let us take up our cross and follow you. Let us not be so earthly minded that everything's just about what we do and the fun we have. Lord, let us learn to seek you and to put your kingdom first. We love you. We honor you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.